treatment was too okay. bad and don't move. That's the worst so, thing you can do. Yeah. Um, good afternoon. Today we'll be starting with Sugyot uh, connected to Kashrut uh, issues related to non Jews. So there are a uh, quite a, a realm of, of topics. Bishul Akum, Chalav Akum, Pat Akum, Binat Akum, Yain Nesech. So that is going to be dealt with in this volume. And we're going to start with Bishul Akum, which is on page 61. <coughs> okay, so uh, the source for all of these prohibitions is from a mission in Avodazara Lamadhei Amudbeh. These are foods that are prohibited to eat. However, there's no prohibition in terms of getting benefit from them. What are they? If a non-Jew milked a cow, we're talking about a kosher animal. Uh, he milked the cow, but a Jew didn't see it. So that milk is going to be prohibited. Also bread baked by a non-Jew and oil made by a non-Jew. And food cooked by a non-Jew. So these are the rabbinic decrees, it seems, that one uh, that prohibits all of these foods for a Jew to eat. And we'll have to examine, is the reasoning the same? What, is the, what are the definitions of each of these prohibitions? I'll just say at the outset that oil, the Gemara says straight afterwards that basically it didn't take hold and was repealed. So the prohibition of oil by a non-Jew does no longer apply. Okay. Milk will we'll discuss next year. Next year we'll discuss uh, uh, Chalav Israel. Okay. But regarding visual uh, Akum, <coughs> says the Gemara on Lamed Zayim, Ushlakot minani mini. Where I know that food that were cooked by a non-Jew is prohibited. The Pasuk says, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Sichon, I'm going to pay you food, I'm going to pay you money, give me food. I'm going to pay you money, give me water. That's all I want. I just want a road through your, through your kingdom in order to get to Eretz Yisrael. Now, the Torah seems to equate the money paid for the food and the money paid for the water. So says the Gemara as follows. Kamayim. The food seems to be similar to water. Now just as water, you buy water, not that it was cooked, it was just in its raw state. So too, Moshe Rabbeinu was asking for raw foods. We were going to cook it. Implying that what? Right? Implying that if the game were to cook it, it would be a problem, and it sounds like it's a problem on a Doraita level. According to that logic, are you going to tell me that you know, if you take granules, wheat granules, and you, you roast them, it's going to be a problem? So says the Gemara, and if you tell me that, that's true, but that, but that goes against the Doraita. We know that if you roast these uh, uh, wheat kernels, it's permitted. It says the Gemara, we come to the conclusion that really this prohibition is midrabanan, it's a rabbinic decree, and the psukim are there just as an asmachta. Now the question is, why the rabbis decreed that if a non-Jew cooked food for me, 
that I, is prohibited for me to eat. So here we have a machloket between Tosvot and uh, the Agat Oshri, for example, who say as follows. Tosvot in source number three tells me Omer Abenutam, the Midbai Talmud the fact that the Gemara was asking about cooked foods, the Kasavar Midoraita, and initially thought it was from the Torah, Shema Gzeira Kadmoniti. It seems, says Rabbi Natan, that this was a, such an early decree that it was so entrenched in the, in the times of the Gemara that there was a Havamina, that there was a thought that maybe there's a Dindoraita. Because like, it wasn't something new that, you know, they heard of that their Zaydis lived in the time of when the Beitin made the Gzeira. This was something that was so old that there was even a, a Havamina, a thought that it was Doraita. The learnings are Aimapat, and it seems, according to Rabbi Notam, that this decree was a lot earlier from the decree of bread of a non-Jew. We'll see that in, in next week's shir, that bread of a non-Jew is also a certain zayr. Ushlakoti inyanei tabshil right? And shlakot means basically foods that are cooked. Umitchila amitam chatnut. Now, it comes along Tosod and tells us that initially the rabbis prohibited cooked foods due to the concern of intermarriage. That means that we are concerned that basically you're going to uh, um, eat together, mix together, and ultimately your neighbor's next, uh, your, your neighbor's uh, daughter you might come to marry because of all the, uh, or your sons might uh, come to marry your, your neighbor's daughter. Valapat lo gazru. But initially, they didn't make a decree regarding bread. Because apparently, bread bread was like not a you don't you don't like have a fancy meal over bread, right? So it wasn't such a big thing. Says Tosvot that in the times of Hillel and Shammai, they extended the gzeira to bread as well. Okay. Um, so that, that, that's, uh, that's uh, enough for, for the moment. We'll see that that's, a, so that's a shit of Tosvot. That basically, the concern over here is intermarriage. Comes along now, God, Oshri, in a Vodazora, uh, and he tells us as follows. What, what time period is this? <coughs> the God, Oshri. Agat Oshri is one of the, the, the Maram of Rottenberg, had three major Talmudim. Right? The Maram lived in the 1200s, if I'm not mistaken. And he has three Talmidim. The one is the Mordechai, the other is the Hagat Oshri, and the third is the Rosh. Right? It was close so, to the time of Tosfos. Yeah, yeah. The Hagat Oshri is, is uh, basically, you know, in the times of Baalei Tosfot, um, and he is the Talmud of, of uh, the Maharam of Rotenberg. And he says as follows, V'rashbam katav b'shem raboteinu. The Rashbam, one of the Balei Tosot, the Rashbam writes, the Bishulei Goim Nesar Mishum Gzeira Shema Yachilenu Goi Davar Tamei. The concern over here is a kashrut issue. The problem is, is that if a guy is cooking and you're not there, right, or, or, or you know, you're, you're not around, or we'll, 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 let, let's leave that sentence out, you're not around, the guy is cooking, we worry that he threw in something that is not kosher, and that's the problem. And that's why Bishul Akum would be a concern. 
Now, one could already start thinking that there could be ramifications whether I understand that the prohibition is rooted in the problem of chatnut, of intermarriage, or whether the problem is rooted in the issue of, of, uh, of uh, basically a concern regarding kashrut issues. But let's leave it at that for the moment. We'll try and see what the nafkaminas could be. Yeah. No mention of Avodah Zorah. As we'll see, Avodah Zorah is only mentioned regarding the wine. That is going to be a unique dec- decree. And we'll see that Yang Nesech almost takes, you know, all of the other things we can kind of put in the same <coughs> category, whether it's Bishul Akum, Chalav Akum, Pat Akum, Gvinat Akum. There is a certain consistent line that you can kind of put them all in the same category. Comes along Yang Nesech, and it's a big debate amongst the Rishonim, please God will get there, as to what is the status of how, where that fits in vis-a-vis all the other decrees. Comes along Rashi. Now Rashi, in the Mishnah, tells me, Anything that a Goy cooked, even in a kosher pan, right? He took the, 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 the Yid's pan. That's a problem. The Kulhu Mishum Chatnut. Rashi pro- says the problem is because of chatnut, intermarriage. And then the Gemara, Rashi, a few daf later on the Gemara says, Midrabanan, we said that originally we thought it was a Torah prohibition, then we came to the conclusion it's only a rabbinical decree. What is a rabbinical decree? Says, um, what is the rabbinical decree? Says, says Rashi, so here all of a sudden Rashi is telling us that the concern is <coughs> that again we might, the, the guy might give us something not kosher to eat, put in the, in the food. Similar to the Agatoshri. So we have Tosfot on the one hand and Rashi, you seem to imply intermarriage. And then you have Agatoshri, Rashbam. And also, Rashi, that seems to be, it's a problem of kashrut. Now, which opinion do we follow? The Aruch HaShulchan is uh, source number seven. Pa- apologize. We made a mistake with the coloring. That should be green, right? Um, he's not a Rishon. He's an Achron. And he says as follows. Rova Poskim. Katvu betam isu shlakot mishum chatnut. The majority of Poskim hold that the, the primary reason is because of intermarriage. However, there are certain sages that said that the problem was because you might come to eat something treif, right? What we saw, the Agrat Oshri and the Rashbam. The Rashi, the Mishnah Sham Katab Mishum Chatunot, the Gemara Katab Shiloichelen Davar Isur. Rashi, you know, brings both opinions. One time he quotes this reason, one time he quotes that reason. The Ephshasheta Mohu, now, he says like this, it could be that the reason why Rashi brings both uh, reasons is We're going to see in next week's share that there are a lot of leniencies that come to when it comes to uh, bread that we don't find when it comes to Bishulakum. Because when it comes to uh, cooking, they're both reasons. But in the case of bread, 
Again, in the times of the Aruch HaShulchan, today it's different. But in times of Aruch HaShulchan, there was no concern that bread was treif. The only concern was intermarriage. So because it was only one reason, the Gemara will see there are certain leniencies. As opposed to Bishul Akum, we don't find those leniencies. And explains Aruch HaShulchan, maybe that's why the Rashi brought both reasons, because it's slightly more... Um, it's slightly more machmir um, um, in terms of it's more serious that there are two reasons for, to be prohibited uh, to prohibit it. The pat bread you can see if it's kosher or not. Again, today that would not necessarily be true. And therefore, they were more machmir when it came to shlakot and not pat. Now. What would be one of the ramifications if we were to hold that it is based on intermarriage as opposed to a concern of cash issues? Right? So possibility number one is brought down in the Pitre Tshuva regarding a mumar, a non, uh, basically a heretic, uh, uh, a Jew that is Mechal El Shabbos Farhesia. If the concern is a problem of intermarriage, well, you can marry that Jew's uh, daughter. There's no problem marrying a mumma's uh, children. That is, that is explicit, that it's mutter, obviously. What's the concern? The concern is kashrut. Well, if it's a concern of kashrut, maybe there is still a concern here. Yeah, if a person himself is not um, trustworthy in terms of he doesn't uh, keep the mitzvot, he doesn't hold them in any type of uh, fear of, 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 of breaking halacha, so we might be concerned that he also throws something in. So look at the Pitre Tshuva. The Pitre Tshuva says, Ayen be'eretev shama'arit zal shekatat. Di'ikar ha'gzeira etam mishum chatnut. The main primary decree was due to intermarriage. Va'ayen be'sefit tiferet le'moshe shekatat. De'lefi tam shari bishul shal mumar. De mishum chatnut leika. According to this reason, there would be no problem if my, um, you, my, my babysitter who happens to be a non from Yid is cooking. It's not a problem. But there's another reason. And that is, the He might come to put in some non-kosher food. Since this person doesn't keep all of the Torah, and perhaps it might be a, a, a chumrah, right? we not need to be machmed. Right? And including this now, is basically a person who desecrates Shabbos or doesn't keep any of the Torah except for the laws of Kashrut, the Dinul Kegoy. Then in this case, we have to be machmed. Now in Siman Kuf Yutet, he was Mahmir. So the Bidchei Tshuva brings down the Tiferet Lemoshe. It could be that, and he brings that, it depends. If it's the primary issue is Chatunot, then we don't have a problem. If there's also others, we might have a problem. How do we pass in Lemaise? Look at the Tzitzel Yezah. The Tzitzel Yezah says, Zot Torah Ta'olami Birurenu Bezeh. My bottom line. Says um, says 
says the uh, Tzitzeliezer, and this is a common problem, right? What about factories? The factories, Shalom Aleichem, Mr. Rothschild. Nice to have you back. Good to see you. Bishalakum. Yeah. Bishalakum. Yeah. Yeah. What have you said so far? What have I said so far? I've said that it's a rabbinic decree that if a, if a non-Jew cooks the food, it's, it's considered not, you can't eat it. And the, if, the, if, the, if a non-Jew cooks food, it is prohibited for a Jew to eat it. However, the question is why, why is that? One opinion is because of intermarriage. It's going to lead to intermarriage and that's why the rabbis decreed that food cooked by a goy is going to be a problem. The other opinion brought down You is mean he's not allowed. It's called bishulakum. It's called bishulakum. The goy cooked it, the Jew cannot eat it. Go ahead. Sorry? However, and the question is why? According to Toswat, it's due to intermarriage. If we allow the, the going to cook for us, we're going to go have dinner at them, and then ultimately, we're going to marry their daughters. According to the other reason, it's because they might put non-kosher food in the, in the dish. Correct. Okay. So now, we're talking about a ramification, which opinion would, depending on which opinion, is what about a, non, a, a Jewish person who's not from... Is there a problem of them cooking? If it's a problem of intermarriage, it's not a problem because ultimately the person's Jewish. But if it's a problem that there's a concern of non-kosher food being brought in, there might still be a problem. So now we're up to the Tzitzeliezer. The Tzitzeliezer so says, who's it's not from. Uh, well, if but it, it may not be kosher. Correct. Well, it might still be a problem. Might have the the din of bishul akum because you, uh, the question is why bishul akum is prohibited. So says the tzitzeliezer shein makom lachush mishum bishulei akum b'ashimorim shenasim omit b'ashlim bevatei haroshet. When it comes to foods that are cooked in factories, let's say tuna and uh, and uh, I don't know any other food that's cooked in factories. He says you don't have to worry about it, even though the owners are non-from people. Why is that? Right? As long as there's a mashkiach, because the mashkiach is, is making sure that there's no problem of kashrut. And the other concern of intermarriage doesn't apply. So says if there's no mashkiach, then we're going to be in problems. We're going yeah. to, yeah, we could be in trouble. According to the uh, uh, the Tzitzeliezer, we could be in trouble. Yeah. Now, Ravovadi Yosef says as well. This is assuming that the people in the factory are Jewish. Correct. Correct. Yes. Which yes. Isn't always the case. Right. Right. Well, we'll see what happens when the the workers are not Jewish as we go on in the in the shir. So now says Rav Ovadia Yosef, "Herachti besiyata dishmai bedin bishul mumar lechalshel Shabbat befarayesem yet bedin bishul goyim veleiti bekocha daheteira." And basically, Rav Ovadia says, "I found room to be lenient." Verak meyot tov katanu shekufsaot shimorim haasuyim bekibutzim shelachofshim. That you know, food that's prepared in non-from 
קיבוצים, נכון שהרב המשקיע על הכשרות יפעיל את הכפתור החשמלי לבישולם. It's better that he switches on the oven, right? But מעיקר הדין, we don't have to worry about it. Why don't you have to worry about it? There's no problem of intermarriage, and there's no real problem of kashrut because you have a mashkiach over there. Yeah? So All right. Where does switch in the oven come in? Sorry, what? Where does switch in the oven come in? We, we, we're going to see, we're going to see where, what that's all about. We're going to get to that now. Look at Sefer HaKashrut. Sefer HaKashrut says, Mechalel Shabbat Befarhesia, a person, uh, Jews that are, uh, don't keep Shabbos, Nechleku HaPoskimim Dino Kegoy Leesor Bishulo. It's a machloket whether his food is it's considered bishulakum. And there are those at the, that in the time of need one can be lenient. And if you look in the, the footnote uh, uh, number 8 <coughs> basically uh, there are a lot of poskim that are makal in the diaspora. Here, If you look at it like this regarding like let's say reform Jews etc. Rabbinian Bar Shalom in his two volume on Bishul Akum quotes, discusses the question, cites numerous sources on both sides. He notes the poskim that are lenient concerning non religious Jews today with regard to the issue include Rav Shmuel Vozna, Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein, Rav Eliashiv, and Rav Moshe Feinstein. So there are many poskim that basically say that if you have a non from a cousin, etc., who's making you supper, you don't have to be concerned that basically we have a problem of Bishul Akum. Yeah? But that, we're talking about that as long as you know they're using kosher food. Correct. Let's assume that, that, that you're not, you there's no hashash of... Sorry, what? You have to be concerned about kashras. So let's assume, let's assume we can get somehow, I don't know, you buy all the ingredients for them, you know, and you tell them you just make the food. So there's no concern. Let's say there's no concern. Okay. There's no gzaira according to these poskim, unless there is a concern. But if there's no concern, you don't have to be worried about the gzaira of visual akum. Now, okay, so we've discussed in a nutshell that there's a rabbinic decree of visual akum. If a guy cooks for you, it's a problem. We've seen it might be because of intermarriage. It might be because they might um, trape up uh, something. What foods are included in this prohibition? So here the Gemara in Masechet of Arazara Lamed Chet says as follows, source number 12. Amar Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak Amar Rav Kol anechal kemotru chai Any food that can be eaten in its raw state Ein bo mishum bishulei nochrim There is no concern of bishul goyim And that's how it was taught in Surah In Pumpedita, Matniach It was taught as follows Amar Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak Amar Rav any food that is not served on the king's table, to basically go and, and, and be eaten together with the bread, there's no problem of Bishul Nochrim. What has the Gemara basically told me? Other, opinion number one says, that if something can be eaten in its raw state, let's say a carrot, I can eat a carrot raw. If a guy then goes and cooks the carrots, there's no problem of bishul akum. That's opinion number one. Opinion number two, if I'm going to eat something, let's just take a food that, you know, uh, uh, cornflakes, okay? Let's say a guy cooks the cornflakes for me, I don't know, you know, whatever. 
it's not going on the king's table. Cornflakes isn't going on the king's table. And therefore, even if the guy cooked it, it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah? My porridge. Let's say the guy cooks the porridge. If it's not going to be eaten on the king's table, it's not going to be a problem. Now, we're going to have to define those two things. But question number one is, which one of those criteria do we accept in halakha? Says Tosfot. Look at Tosfot. Pasak Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam ruled the Hilchata Kahani Treilishne that we accept both opinions and are lenient regarding both of them. Vi ikachad minayu one chalchai oenoila al shuchan melachim en bomishum bishulek of de kochavim. Either if I can be eaten raw, or if it's not a, an important food that is served at the king's table, if either one of those are true, I don't have to worry that the guy cooked it. Why? Because since it's a rabbinic decree, Now this is going to be very important. Basically, what have we told? What have we said? Any food that can be eaten raw, you basically don't have to worry if a guy cooks it. You cooked it, it's hard to use a knife to cut Wait, it after it's hard. Say, say again. You cut it, you cut it, uh, take a, a carrot, you boil the carrot, yeah. then you cut it after it's been boiled. The knife, the carrot is hard. Is there any difference in the fact that then you may use No, but let's say the guy's in your house, so all the kalim are kosher. But if not, I go to a hotel. Okay, that's not a problem of the gzaira. That's a problem of there might be a real kashrut issue. Yeah. We, have to, we, have to, we have to separate. Here the Gemara is talking about, even if you know everything's 100% kosher, yeah. it's exaggerated. You can't eat it. Okay. Right? And that's what we're concerned about. So we're concerned about the guy is in your house. The, all the kalim are, 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 you know, whatever. Or not in your house, but I don't know, he's in the hotel, it's kosher la pesa. Yeah, you, can right? you can have a full plate in your house, uh, right? Right. Cooking. Cooking. So it's all in your house. All your kalim are kosher. All the ingredients are kosher. Nevertheless, if it is something that cannot be eaten raw, right? Let's take, a, for example, I don't know, an onion. I don't think you can eat an onion raw. Or something, uh, and something that is eaten on the king's table, and the guy cooks it, you know it's 100% kosher, it's asked to eat, right? Asked to eat. Now, that's how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins. So the Shulchan Paskins, uh, Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that if something is raw, and the guy cooks it, no problem. If something is not fit to be uh, um, um, eaten on the king's table, it's also not a problem. So I'm going to use the example of porridge, right? Like a, 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 a very, you know, jungle oats porridge. That's a South African famous brand. I don't know what you would, a Quaker, right? No, no, I, let, I, 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 want, to, I want to specifically uh, use things that are, are very um, clear cut. We'll, oh. we'll discuss a uh, uh, fast food in, uh, oh. okay, because meat, it's not so clear, not oh, so clear. Oh, but it's better, so let's keep it simple. Porridges and, and, carrots. and carrots, right? Everyone knows that you can eat a carrot raw, and therefore it's not a problem even if the guy cooked it. Everyone knows that, you know, the king's, you know, they're not going to serve the king porridge, and therefore there's no problem even if the guy cooked your porridge, yeah? What is the definition of something that is, can be eaten raw? What happens? Look at the Gemara. The Gemara in Masechet Abarazara says as follows, source number 15. Beitzat Suluya, an egg that was roasted. Bar Kafra Shari, Rabbi Yochanan Asa. Bar Kafra said it's prohibited. 
And Rabbi Yochanan said it is, no, sorry, Bar Kappa says it's permitted. And Rabbi Yochanan says it's prohibited. What's the machloket between the two of them? There are certain people, generally chazonim, right, that eat eggs raw. They'll just, I don't know, swallow it. But most people don't eat raw eggs, yeah? That is very uncommon. So the question is like this. We said anything that can be eaten raw, even if it was cooked by God, it's not a problem. Does that mean that because the chazan, you know, is going to drink a, a raw egg, so that, that means that it's not a problem? So this is the machloket between Bar Kapara and Rav Yochanan. And how does the Beit Yosef rule? Says the Beit Yosef, Although, in theory, in theory, a person could swallow a raw egg, That is not considered something that can be eaten raw. Because most people don't eat it in that way. Yeah? And that's basically how the Aruch HaShulchan Paskins. The Aruch HaShulchan says, Regarding the definition of something that is eaten in its raw state, You go according to the majority of people. And therefore, since you go according to the majority of people, the fact that you've got one guy who eats raw eggs for breakfast, okay. That doesn't mean that we that's the definition of something that is eaten raw. Yeah. Let me go back to something else. Yes. If I have a Filipino in my house. Yes. Is that what is it called? There might be a, a more room to be lenient. In theory, that's the exact case. If he's making food for you. Pardon? This is Lichora, exactly the case that we're talking about. That a, a non-Jew is cooking for you. Yeah. Depends what he's making. It could be that, that, that if it's a, an important meal, it could be a problem. But, but we'll see. There might be more room to be Michael. There might be more room to be Michael. But at this stage, it depends what he's going to make you. If he's going to boil for you carrots and things like that, it's not a problem, right? But if he's going to make you a steak, right, which is A, cannot be eaten raw, and B, steaks, kings, you know, you can, you, kings eat steaks, it might be a problem. You mean he can't cook for me a, a fish? Lichora not. Lichora not. Now, you, bring, you, you raise the question of fish. Why do I say Lichora not? Because today, people eat fish raw. What is it called? Sushi. So the fact that some people eat fish raw called sushi, does that make fish now something that is eaten raw? And therefore it's got the status of a carrot, and therefore even if a guy cooked it, it's not a problem. Can I make this a steak for me? Could he make a steak for you? At this stage, it's a big problem. At this stage, it's a big problem. Okay, we might find the leniency of the Ramah, but at this stage, from what we've said, it will be a problem. Because no one eats basically a raw steak. And if they do, they're probably in a psychiatric ward or whatever it is. Um, so, so this is a problem. Look at the Sefer Akashrut. Sefer Akashrut is... So really, any meat, no mind it's It's a problem with any meat. Lichora. Lichora. Lichora might be a problem. Yeah, any meat. 
pretty much could be a problem. But we'll see. There might be a leniency. There might be a leniency. Bezrat Hashem, the Ramah Mach Saibas. So says, uh, says the Sefer Akashrut, Davara Nechal Bodochai, something that is eaten while it is still raw, Afilu Nitpashel Al Yedei Nochri, Ad Shenimcha, even if a guy cooks it to the point where it's not recognizable, it's completely melted, you know, got a new shape, Shenishtadna Tzurato Legamre, Benaseh Ketav Shel Mamish, and it's turned into a different meal, Mikomakom Mutar, that is not a problem. Here comes the question, of um, here comes the question of sushi. So let's just go back to sushi. The Pnei Aracha, Rav, uh, Rav Melamed, wants to say as follows. He says, the fact that people eat sushi does not mean that regular fish is eaten in a raw state. He says sushi is one specific uh, um, kind of uh, dish and it doesn't make all fish now uh, in the category that they can be eaten raw. Let's read them inside. Lamrochen rag If I only bring kosher food ingredients into my house and I have no non-kosher ingredients. Yes. It could be a problem of kashrut of mixing milk and me. That could also be a problem, correct. That could also be a problem. But it wouldn't be visual. It could still be a problem of visual aquam. I.e. the Chachamim, once they made the decree, once they made the decree, we'll see that it could be a problem. But uh, you're right, there could be a leniency. The Ramah is, is uh, it might bring, bring a leniency regarding a non-Jew in your home. So there might be a distinction. There might be a distinction, but we'll see whether we accept that Ramah or not. But uh, uh, just going back to the sushi, says the Pnina Alacha, Lamrot, Rabim Noagim Kayom Lechol, Lifamim Dagim Chayim, Betsurot Shonot, Kamob Sushi. Although many people today eat sushi, and you wouldn't say that, you know, this is like a Meshugana, hundreds of thousands of people eat sushi. Vechain Yesh Noagim Lechol, Basar Chai, Tachun, or Parus Dak. Apparently, there is something of eating raw meat called. Kapachi. Yeah, okay. It's like a smoke, I think. Okay. No, well, then, then it's cooked. That's considered cooked. Smoking is yeah, cooked. That's considered cooked. Yeah, but not, not in terms of ishu, uh, bishul. Yeah. No, it's, it's not a problem of bishul. <laughs> Nevertheless, he still holds that it's a problem of bishul, um, bishul akum when it comes to meat and fish. He basically wants to say that sushi is different to eating a, a, a fish steak. And a fish fillet, uh, fillet is very different to sushi, and basically he wants to say they're two different things, and therefore one cannot be lenient. Okay. Let's go to the second criteria. What was the second criteria? The second criteria is if it, if it basically uh, is served, it has to be served on a king's table in order for it to be a problem. But if your, your non-Jew makes you a bowl of porridge, cooks you up a bowl of porridge, that wouldn't be a problem. Now, what's the definition of something that is served on the king's table? So look at the Aruch HaShulchan. Very interesting. The Aruch HaShulchan lived in the 1800s. And he's discussing the status of uh, potatoes. Now, the potatoes basically got, to, uh, got introduced to Europe basically in the 1700s. 
and, and, and uh, only in the 1800s did it become very uh, common. It was in Spain and, and, and England before that, but in major Europe and, and Russia, it was only introduced really in the 1700s, and it was considered a delicacy. After that, it became common food. So look at the Arucha Shulchan. He says like this, Tapuche Adama, when it comes to potatoes. This is not considered a fancy food that is served on the king's table. And if a guy cooked them or baked them, the Jew can eat them. It's considered a commoner's um, meal. And basically... Only the low life of society, the, the, the impoverished, eat this because it was very cheap and... and, and um, now, even though the wealthy also eat them sometimes, it's, he says because it's so common, and that's why they eat it, but not because it's a, 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 an important uh, food. Now, just skip to the next paragraph. However, I found, he's talking about 100 years before the Chochmat Adam, right, who, who saw that what? That if it's, uh, it is considered Ole Al Shulchan Melachim. Yeah, he says like this, maybe it depends on the time and place. In the times of the 1700s, it was considered a delicacy. Since it was considered a delicacy, so therefore it was a Oleal Shulchan Melachim. It's a problem. But in the times of the Arucha Shulchan in the 1800s, already that's not a problem. He holds that it's not considered. So what do we see from the Arucha Shulchan? A very important cloud. That basically this is dependent, it's not objective, it is subjective, and it is dependent on time and place. It could very well be that today potatoes are considered an important food. Because if we're talking about what is, what is, what is put on the, the king's uh, um, table, Potatoes are often put on, you know, they go very nicely together with the, a nice steak or rice or whatever, you know. So, so that probably is not, uh, so it could have changed now that it's gone back to what the Chochmah Adam. And uh, there's what the OU kosher staff, they basically said, they asked the White House and um, regarding all these dinim. And basically they, they were trying to work out what about... <coughs> Uh, kosher, uh, um, tanned, uh, canned fish. So is that So basically they asked, and they would say that all canned tuna, etc., etc., is basically not a problem because it is not considered oleal shulchan melachim, and that is basically the opinion of the OU. Right? That um, now there's another reason to be lenient in a factory. And that is if the problem is chatznut. So here, when you don't know who the worker is and etc., it might mean that the decree wasn't apl applicable. Um, now, there's a question of how we define oleal shulchan melachim, and here Abjechta brings down a machloket two basic approaches. One is the approach of the Chazonish, the other is the approach of Rav Soloveitchik. 
The approach of the Chazonish is basically anything that a king would eat. Now, the king theoretically could have eggs. Why would the king have eggs? For breakfast, the king would have eggs. Yeah? The Rav Soloveitchik's understanding of being put on a king's table is if the king was having a, an important a dinner, a formal dinner. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a king. If, if uh, any state dinner, a prime minister, an important, uh, you know, is that the ambassador invites you to a state dinner, what would be served on that? So, according to Rav Soloveitchik, only food that would be served on that uh, there would be considered Oleal Shulchan Malachim. So even if a king would eat sardines, right? It's not considered Oleal Shulchan Malachim because that is not accepted uh, thing. And even if you say that a king eats tuna, they definitely wouldn't be serving canned tuna on the, um, on the table. And therefore, basically, that is a general approach of most kashrut organizations and chutzlarets, that they take the approach of Rab Soloveitchik, that it has to be food that is served on a formal state dinner, etc. And that is considered Ole al-Shulchan Melachim, and that's basically, you see this in Rab Chaim Jephthah, as well as Rab Moshe Heinemann from Star K. Okay, I want to uh, very briefly discuss um, three more very important issues. Let's do it very quickly. Bishul Akum regarding liquids. What does it mean regarding liquids? You, you, you go for coffee and they serve you coffee. Now, coffee is cooking. It's cook, cook, cooking the coffee beans, right? Is that a problem of Bishul Akum? Now, Lichora, number one, you can't eat coffee raw, right? And number two, they serve coffee even at these important banquets, right? So therefore, coffee is considered Ole al-Shulchan Menachim. It cannot be eaten raw, so it's a problem. However, here, the Aruch HaShulchan wants, wants to say as follows. That, that it's not a problem of, uh, it's not a problem when it comes to coffee, and for that matter, it's not a problem when it comes to beer, even though they cook the beer. And why is that? When it comes to Hilchot Brachot, although beer comes from barley, what Brachot do we say? Shakol Bitvaro. Why do we say Shakol? Because we say that the barley is battled to the water. I, the the quantitatively, the majority of the ingredients is actually water, and water obviously isn't a problem of Bishul Akum. Similarly, would be the same thing regarding coffee. Nachon, coffee gives it the flavor, but since the coffee beans are battled to the, um, to the water, therefore, regarding the brocha, no one says a Borei Priya eats on, on, on coffee, right? You say Shehakel. Why do you say Shehakel? Because you're focusing on the water. Since you're focusing on the water regarding that, also, regarding Bishal Akum, we assume that the, 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 the primary issue over here, or the primary ingredient, is actually the water, and therefore it's not a problem of Bishal Akum. That is a majority opinion of, um, of Poskim, and that seems to be the Minag. The Shevet Halevi wants to bring that it could be according to the Khatam Sofer. There's a, difference between, um, there's a difference between different types of coffee. If instant coffee, the granules are actually. Um, they, uh, they are soluble and they, they, they melt. Whereas, uh, you know, if you just pour water over, over the beans, percolated, whatever it is, so then you don't actually get the actual bean. The Khatam Sofer is Mahmir when you actually, the actual coffee bean is dissolved. 
right? And then, then he's machmir. So says the Shevet Halevi, Yesh makom lachmir for Baal Nefesh. I don't think anyone that I know uh, has taken on such a chumrah. Based on that chumrah, you wouldn't be able to have coffee in, on an airplane. You wouldn't be able to have coffee in any of these places because it would be a problem of bishulakum. Yeah? So as I said, minaga oilam is not to be concerned at all when it comes to liquids regarding bishulakum. Now comes the big machlokes. When do we permit bishulakum? We've seen that We've seen the reason for the prohibition. We've seen regarding the food that there are two criteria in order for it to be a problem. Number one, it can't be eaten raw. Number two, it has to be olea al shulchan melachim. But here comes a big machloket between Svarim and Ashkenazim in terms of how can I still make it permitted? Even let's say we're talking about a steak. So a steak, I can't eat raw. It's olea al shulchan melachim. And even if the guy cooks it, is there room for it to be lenient? Says the Gemara in Avodah Zarah, Amar Rabbi Yudah Amar Shmuel, Hineach Yisrael Basar Al Gabe Gechalim. If the Jew put the meat on the on the coals, Uba Goy Bafach Bo Muta, and the Goy then turned it afterwards, it's permitted. If Marnami it was said further, Amar Rabbi Bachan Amar Rabbi Yechman, Ben Sheniach Goy Bafach Yisrael. Whether the Goy first put it on the fire and then you turned the meat. It's only a problem, basically, if the entire cooking process took place by the non-Jew. But if the Jew was involved, then it's okay. And here comes the big machloikas. How do we define involvement of a Jew? So look at the Rambam. Or let's keep the Rambam. Let's bring the Beit Yosef. Varav Rabbeinu Nisim Katav Gabei Pakt. Regarding bread, shalosh melachot yeshba. There are three different uh, uh, um, activities. The shaga yisrael ba'afar goy shari. If the the Jew basically just lit the fire or threw in a piece of wood and the goy cooked it, it would be permitted. But dafka be'pat lefishesh girata tanur he melachami yuchedet bo. And regarding bread, lighting the fire is considered important because apparently that was a, an, an art how to light the fire. But when it comes to other foods, that's not acceptable. And basically, he brings down, there's also the name of Rabbeinu Yonah, etc. That this leniency of a Jew lighting the fire only applies to baking bread. It does not apply to other cooking, making a steak, etc. That is the opinion of the Beit Yosef. However, the Darke Moshe, the Ramah, just look at the last uh, five lines. He says like this, uh, From the words of the Mari that I brought down, Our minag is to permit the non-Jewish woman maidservants cooking. Because it's impossible that one of the Jewish people of the family members won't stoke the coals. Mashma. That even if a Jew stoked the coals, that would be good enough to be permitted. Right? And there's also the opinion of basically the Isuvahete Ba'aroch, which is a very important cipher in Hilchot Kashrut. That according to the Darke Moshe and the Ramah, if you basically, if a, a Jew lights the fire or stokes the coals, that would be permitted. How do we pass? Can I say, look at the Shulchan Aruch in Siman Kuf Yud Gimel. 
says the Shulchan Aruch, that basically lighting of the, the oven only helps regarding baking of bread to, call, to make it be considered pat Yisrael. But regarding other foods, it doesn't help. Lighting the fire, stoking the coals doesn't help. You have to be involved in the actual placing of the food. Right? If you want to put in a, a, a you want to cook in a, a pan, right? So what do you do? You have to put the pan into the oven in a place where the pan could actually cook. And says the Ramah, there are other opinions that argue. Basically, the Ramah brings down that for Ashkenazim, lighting of the fire would be okay. But now look what he says. Even just stoking the coals would be okay. Shari. I lit a fire. And then a guy came and lit a candle from the one fire and lit another fire. That would also be okay according to the Rabbah. I the Ramah behind the Shulchan Aruch. Really very different opinions of what the Psach is. Now, here comes the problem. Well, it, for Ashkenazim, it's not such a problem, but for Sfarim, it's a big problem when they go to a hotel or, so, or you know, these restaurants. Because the Mashkiach basically relies on the opinion of the Ramah. So what does the Mashkiach do? He switches on the oven, and then they go and cook everything. According to Ashkenazim, it's not a problem. According to Sfarim, what do you mean you turned on the oven? You've got, you know, the Jew has to be, the Mashkiach has to be putting every, every stake in. So what do we do? So here there's a famous truva, the Yabi Omer, where basically he wants to be, um, he, he, he says, Yesh Makom, um, uh, no, sorry, this, it wasn't that, uh, it wasn't that, uh, where is it? It's uh, source number 41. Uh, I won't, I'll say it outside, but the Shut Yechavedat, in source number 41, he basically says that maybe we can be rely, Svarim can rely on a Sveik Sveika. Suffolk number one, maybe the Ramah is correct. Ayichitui is good enough. Suffolk number two, even if we say the Ramah is incorrect, maybe since basically you don't know the, the, the workers in the kitchen, right? They're like working for you kind of thing. They considered your shvachot on certain level, so maybe that also might be uh, lenient. So because of that sveik sveika, he's he's melamed schut on the svarim that that rely on it. But sorry, I, I jumped because in, we haven't done that second uh, heter. So let's see that second heter. The second heter, let's go from um, go back to page eighty. What happens if food was cooked machal ben drusai? Machal ben Dusai is like a third cooked, right? So says the Shulchan Arachim Bishlu Goy Machal ben Dusai the Gamro Yisrael Yesh Leasar. If it's already been cooked a third, it's considered edible. So that the fact that a Jew cooks it afterwards doesn't help. That means when the Jew flips the steak, it has to be really at the beginning. Can't come at the end and flip the steak. 
That's the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch. Says the Ramah, the Yesh Matirin Becholinian, either Ramah or Yah is consistently very, very lenient. Yeah? Um, now, what about, <laughs> this is an interesting Shaila, what about the, um, the Shwama? The Shwama places, right? So let's say you've got a non Jew who's shaving off the meat of the Shwama. So what, what, what happens? The Jew in the morning put the piece of meat on there, that, on that roaster, right? And now it's going round. And now his worker, who's non-Jew, is shaving off the, the, the meat as it gets ready. But as he shaves it off, right, he's now basically putting the raw meat in front of the, in front of the roaster. Is that a problem of basically the non-Jew is, is basically doing the cooking? What did the Jew do? We're talking about the Ramah or the Sparkling? Sparkling. Only for Because the Ramah, uh, he, he put it on, on in the morning, he turned on the switch, Shalom Israel. But for the Sparkling, they have to be involved in the actual putting on the thing. So what's going to happen? So look at the Min Khatashe, Ravosha Vice. He says like this Nire. The Kola Basar Ayan Isleba Meshech Azman, Benkan Ela Kirvat Bishul Begrama. So he says like this. He says, listen, even if the Jew. Even if the non-Jew, the Jew put the meat there in the morning, on the spit. Now, the, the, the non-Jew came and shaved it off for the, ne- the, the, the next client, right? So says Rav Ashavai, it's not, but all the meat theoretically would have been cooked anyway. It's just a matter that he was Goremet to be cooked quicker. I've heard some Talmidei Chachamim that argue that that's not true in reality, i.e., if it's just going round, the outer part would be cooked, but the inner part of that big those uh, things would not be would not be cooked. I don't know. Anyway, so for Svarim yesh makom lachmir, yesh makom lachmir, yesh makom lachel. Now here comes a big big machloket regarding how much time we've got. We've got five minutes, so let, let's just do this this last one because this is very important. What about? A, up until now, we've been talking about a non-Jew, basically not in your house. What happens if the Jew, the non-Jew, is your maidservant, and she's making the Filipino, right, who's cooking for you? So look here. It says the Rashba in a tshuva. He says like this in his Chelak Aleph Siman Samache. Yesh Merabotai. He's quoting his uh, his teacher, the Ramban. That basically, he limited the prohibition of Vishal Akum if we're talking about servants and slaves. And what's the logic? The whole purpose was because of intermarriage. That might apply to your neighbor. Who wants to invite you over for dinner and cause uh, some friendship? But your slaves and your servants, they're cooking whether, you know, whether they want to or not. They're not doing it to find favor. They're doing it because that's their job. And there's no gzer of chatanot. Says the Rashba himself, I don't think that this is true or clear. Says the Rashba, no can do, no hetter. The fact that it's, uh, the, the servant is, is uh, working for me doesn't apply. How do we pass him? 
‫אגן, שולחן ערוך, ‫יש מי שמתיר בשבחות שלנו ‫ויש מי שאוסר, ואפילו בדיעבד. ‫זה שולחן ערוך, ‫פרס ברינג זה פיניון ‫לרמב"ן, ‫תבי מייקל, ‫אז הוא ברינג זה פיניון ‫לרשפט, תבי מחמיר, ‫ובדיעבד יש לסמוך על דברי המתירים, ‫בפדיעבד יהיו כמיליניאנט, ‫ואפילו לכתחילה נוהגים להקל בבית ישראל. ‫אבן לכתחילה, ‫the minag is to be lenient uh, ‫in the house of, uh, of, of a Jew, ‫שהשבחות והעבדים מרשילים בבית ישראל, ‫כי אי אפשר שלא יחטא ‫אחד מבני הבית מעט. ‫נאה, ברמה throws in a sentence there, ‫כי זה אימפוסיבל ‫שמאן לא יכול לסתוק את הקולס. He's not really relying on the heter of the Ramban completely. He's saying, probably, you know, someone's going to stock the coals and therefore would be permitted anyway. How do we pass it? So here the Shach basically is not so happy with the Ramban. <coughs> and he puts down uh, four different conditions. So let's just skip to the... V'tzarich lomar dekai ha'shrachot demayri ha'machabeh. Answer number one... Perhaps, says the Shach, we're talking about slaves that are proper slaves, that they were bought to you, not that you hire them. Right? And this heter of the Ramban is only for slaves, mamish slaves. But, you know, the, the Filipino that you pay at the end of the month, or the maids that we have today in the Western world, wouldn't fit into that category. And he says, the That the Ramah was talking about maidservants that were proper slaves. The difficulty with that is that the Ramah in, in Krakow, they weren't slaves. They were maids. So what, the Ramah is quoting an opinion that doesn't exist in his town? Difficult. But that's answer number one of the Shach. Answer number two, or it's an Olamar, or he's trying to say, Perhaps, and this is an opinion that we didn't see, That basically in the house of Israel, in the house of a Jew, since there's less of a concern of trade, etc., etc., the Xerah wasn't applicable. Inami, or third answer, Really, the main reason of the heter is what? That the Jew's going to get involved in the cooking or lighting the fire or something like that, and that's why he was lenient. What's his last answer? Vayen b'isav ha'eter shamarshal may be tshuva that what mitam da'eni su mishum bishulai goyim ela ba'osev mirzono mishum gzerat chatnut. Again, he is saying that you know this whole reason might only be be applicable if it's a neighbor because they're not working for you; they're doing it out of love and friendship. But if someone's working for you, then it could be it might not be such a problem. Bottom line is. The heter of the Ramah, the Shach isn't very happy with. You know, it could be this, it could be that. Not that it's, it's not so clear. And therefore, it's not clear that we basically say today, you've got a, a maid, like in South Africa, the, the, the maid's in the, in, the, in the kitchen. Lo pashut, that just because a maid made it, we can say it's not a problem because she's living in us. What could be, that you could be mitzarifat to be maker. For example, Let's say there's a suffix whether food is or not. An egg. Right? It's a suffix. Let's say it's a suffix. So one could maybe be Mitzarev, the sheet of the Ramah, that you know the maid, that it could be, a, could be okay. Right? That you, you put the two, in, the two together, etc., etc. 
Assuming that eggs are a problem. I don't think eggs are a problem. According to the Ramah, if you had a pilot light that was lit by a jewel, that would be a problem. The problem is nowadays, they don't have pilot lights. The new stoves don't have pilot lights. Right, right. So therefore, uh, a lot of these uh, questions are... um, Okay. We'll end there. We we, we covered the majority of of the topics. Um, and Bezrat Hashem next week we won't have a share because it's Shushan Purim so we'll continue after that